Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear to places a dive and scuba news. <laughs> Obsessed episode 480 is recorded live January 28th, 2021. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Gilson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan, where the days I do believe are getting just a touch longer. Joining me this week is Mac the Dive Mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well today, and I concur that the days are getting longer. I, I can usually tell when I'm getting my coffee and I can actually see some light outside. That's kind of the, the sign. So it's, it's starting to happen where I'm not, my whole drive to work isn't in the dark. So that's, that's kind of nice. Here we are, almost at the end of January already. Can you believe that? I can't believe it. 2020 was such a bad year. But we're already one-twelfth of the way through 2021, and I don't know to think if this is good or bad or what. Is is this too early to tell? I just don't know. I mean, the snow has been just about right, a couple of inches, nothing major. Uh, it's not got really cold. I think 20 is about the coldest we've gotten. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of on the better than average, but you know, other things make me think we're not quite there yet. Not quite to a good year. I'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room. We have Dave and Eric and Derek in there, and I'm sure a few more will show up, show up as we get going along. So let's get things moving by jumping into the scuba news. First one on tap here this week is woman finds GoPro while scuba diving in Cozumel. I think we could cover one of these stories just about every week. Uh, so this one's out of Oklahoma. Kelly Bouchard was 2,100 miles away on vacation for a scuba diving trip. When she made a discovery, it led to an unbelievable reunion. It's not a really deep dive, about 45 to 50 feet, the more woman said. But while down there, something caught my eye. The color stood out. The handle was gray. The tip was blue. A color you don't normally see in nature, Bouchard said. It was a GoPro. Unbeknownst to Bouchard, it belonged to another Oklahoman. Well, this is the GoPro and the lanyard came unscrewed and it disappeared, Penny. Shrulin said. Shrulin, who's fr- from Tuttle, was in Cozumel days before Bouchard found it. She thought she'd never see that camera, those memories again. I was very sad because I had a lot of trips on that microchip. But Bouchard was eager to find the GoPro's owner, so she turned the camera on, looked at the photos, then she started posting photos on Facebook if anyone recognized people in the photos. One of the other ladies said it actually kind of looks like Turner Falls, Bouchard said. Within 24 hours and a few shares on Facebook, Spruelin saw it. Somebody had found it, and I had no idea in the world where this person might have been from. 
but out of the odds, the two women live just miles apart because of Bouchard's hard work and find the owners. Poulin got all her photos back. Those are the memories on there. That's someone's trip, Bouchard said. But, well, no, they weren't on the same trip, were they? <laughs> that that would make it seem not so amazing. Yeah, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, you, were, you booked the same, you were on the same plane. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, I dropped no. my watch and then I found it. Yeah. They didn't say that's what it is. So we're, we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt because it wasn't only a few days apart. So, yeah. yeah, good. That's still pretty cool, though. Yeah. I mean, well, if it's well populated, I can see finding it. But it's when you're out there and you randomly find one. It's like, damn. Well, like yeah. at Woods Lake, we were looking for uh, for Kevin's and I found mm -hmm. a separate one. <laughs> we also <laughs> found his, but there's another one. What are the freaking chances? Well, it depends how many they lost. <laughs> I suppose. I, I've lost one there in Lake 16. I've never heard that one coming back. Oh, I didn't know he had lost one out there. It wasn't a GoPro. It was, uh, gosh, it was, gosh, maybe nine years ago. It was uh, kind of a cheap ink to the, uh, but this was early. If, if somebody yeah. found it with the pictures, You'd hear about it though. You'd think so. Cause it was positively buoyant, which was the problem that I had it on a lanyard and I think it came off my wrist when I moved. So I figure it went up the shore. I looked a little bit for it, but never found it. After all these years, maybe somebody will, will turn it up. I don't know how many photos I had on it, but yeah, I, I still need to break in my, I about a year ago, I bought an underwater camera and just never got around to using it thought i would but haven't so you, you know sometimes i think we're we're doing it wrong uh, and this next article kind of uh, brings it up so there's a hundred thousand dollars for scuba dive entry platform uh nsw government will provide a hundred thousand under its covid19 stimulus program to develop a scuba diving entry platform at nelson bay Upper House member Taylor Martin said the project will enhance Port Stevens tourism appeal. The fund is great news as it will allow scuba diving entry platform to be designed, constructed on the western break wall at Nelson Bay, Mr. Martin said. Nelson Bay is a highly popular tourist area with some of the East Coast's best shore diving sites, as well as reef, deep drops-offs, and a number of historic shipwrecks to explore. At the moment, access for divers at Nelson Bay Marina is difficult as they need to negotiate the uneven surface to reach the water loaded up with their scuba gear, which creates safety concerns. Department of Planning, Industry, Environment, Crown Lands will manage the upgrade project in consultation with Port Stevens Council, the local dive industry operators of Nelson Bay Marina, and Transport for NSW's Marine Infrastructure Delivery Office, or MIDO. The new entry platform will provide safe, unimpeded access point for divers, which will make diving easier and support the area's appeal for diving designation. It also expected funding will be used to upgrade missing sections of the walkway along the western breakwater, provide improved access for people with disabilities so they can better enjoy the stunning local views. Ministry of Water pop, Property. How long ago did we lose them? I'm not sure. Uh, at least a minute or so. Oh, wait. Uh, 
Yeah, I was in the other channel. Wonder if that's when I do it when I look. No, I shouldn't because we're still have the audio going. I don't know why he bails on us. Uh, Craig just seems to be like that. So here, here's the one we thought we were talking about before the show. Hundreds of shipwreck artifacts worth about $1.5 million may be donated to Racine Heritage Museum. So I think the question we both had is how one point was Captain Dan Johnson, a shipwreck hunter, was just diving apprentice in 1978 when he decided to enter the waters of Lake Michigan in Racine in search of the Kate Kelly. Kate Kelly was a 126-foot uh, schooner ship that sank in May 1895 off the coast of Wind Point. According to WisconsinShipwrecks.com, the Kate Kelly sank during a vicious spring storm that had exploded across Lake Michigan. Three summers after Johnson's first dive in 1981, he discovered the Kate Kelly. It was my first shipwreck I discovered, said Johnson, who is 66. Now Johnson is in his talks with Racine Heritage Museum to donate the Kate Kelly artifacts along with other artifacts related to shipwrecks. And the Racine side of Lake Michigan totaling a value of over $1.5 million. We are very excited, said Christopher R. Paulson, Executive Director of the Heritage Museum. The opportunity to share the collection with other constituency is a welcome one. Uh, the artifacts are currently listed with Johnson at the Lockwood Pioneer Scuba Dive Museum in Loves Parks, Illinois. Uh, Johnson will donate hundreds of artifacts, he said, including a self-contained breathing apparatus invented by James E. Lockwood Jr. at least five years prior to Jacques Cousteau's Aqualung. Lockwood Jr. was a racing native who was born in 1910 and died in 2003. The Lockwood family began the Lockwood Scholarship Fund designated to benefit graduate of Park High School in 1983. Lockwood Park on Graceland Boulevard in Racine was renamed to honor Lockwood's family. Lockwood Jr. and Johnson were close friends in Lockwood Jr.'s life. Johnson named the scuba equipment company Lockwood Scuba Equipment after Lockwood Jr. Jim was quite a guy, and he hanged around with elite divers of the world. Other artifacts include hard hat diving equipment of John Harnes, a detective from the Racine Police Department killed in duty in 1918. Johnson believes Harms is one of the first hard hat divers on this side of the lake. Johnson also housed artifacts from shipwrecks from the SS Milwaukee, SS Wisconsin, Prince Williams, Dredge 906, and Vernon. Johnson said he's giving away the collection because he's retiring. Johnson was founder of Love's Park Scuba in Love's Park back in 1984. He collected artifacts each time he went diving. It's been a wonderful run. It's not about money that you make. It's about the lifestyle. When the collection reside is still open for now, Paulson said, Johnson would love to see the collection at Wind Point Lighthouse as his first choice. We're seeing Harbor Lighthouse and Life Saving Station. And there's a whole ton of photos in there. A lot of great articles. And I still would like to see what the other items are. The, uh, the, the suit is great. Having that first regulator a couple of years before uh, Cousteau's Aqualung would be quite interesting to look at. I'm still curious what the 1.5 million is. I love that setup. Did you see the uh, the Mark V unit? Oh yeah, cave? yeah. They did a good That's job a displaying that. Yeah. I was gonna say it looks like my old one, except it doesn't have any patches on it. <laughs> <laughs> 
His his wasn't mine hadn't was, gotten the point of leaking yet. I bet mine was eighty percent patched. I swear to God. Ah, Rick in the chat room says that's his hometown. Well, good. Racine, I was just uh, up there. I've been up there this year. I haven't been up there recently. It wasn't for diving, so. Well, there's a. I just went through that little uh, picture index. Mm -hmm. He's holding one of the, a different type of Mark V, so he's got several antique helmets. They're worth a couple of shekels. Uh, then he's got a complete wall of um, dead eyes, hooks. Oh, okay. Strappings, rigging. So it probably uh, depends wheel. on the on the volume and uniqueness. So they, it's it could add up to quite a bit. Yes. Yes, it could. When you start looking at some of that stuff he's got there. Yeah, I like some of the floats he has there in the wall, too. I, I like it when you have the glass floats with the, almost the netting wove around them. Yeah. The other thing is, where does he have all that stuff? <laughs> That's well, it looks like he had them in some kind of display area. And they did mention that there was a museum that was currently housing some of them. Let's see. I think that does it for Scuba the News. Did I miss any? It seemed like we went through that quite quick today. Yeah, that's that's right. it. It's kind of that slow time. I mean, when we start talking about, you know, finding cameras in the bottom of the water, we're, we're, we're getting pretty, pretty low on the, the depth of articles. Uh, do you are you aware of anybody getting any dives in? Um, how's how's the ice building coming? It seems like we get a couple of days of cold and then a couple of days uh, of warm. They had one last week. Uh, it was a thrill of the chill type down in the river. It had um, skim ice around the shoreline. Uh, I think it was Jim. I think Ted was there, and I don't know who else. Uh, current was not bad at all, from what I understand. Water was chilly. 32. Of course, it's not going to get much more than that. Uh, it was a good no-win day. And those who went in got out. That's always a plus. Derek was answering us on something in the article that we probably mentioned and that I can't remember that, what we asked. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's good. People getting in the water. Is there, well, of course, I was going to say, is there any... Uh, talk of a warm-up dive but i mean it would have been last year this time i think when we did the one at the pool yeah, i'm gonna get with larry again this weekend and see if he's available because if he is i'm gonna hit the river anytime he's available for a high noon i'd like to go out I'd like to get another one in before the end of the month yeah i'm deep into robotic season so that's really got me tied up and I thought last year was rough. This year's even worse. With with uh, we're, we're having students quarantined, <laughs> so that that makes it tough to have. Uh, Better have a pain in the butt. Yeah. Well, they, they, nobody's nobody on the team has caught it, but you know they do contact tracing, and oh, you were near this person for this amount of time, so now you're gonna yeah have to quarantine. So. Hopefully, I'd like, like to stay yeah. away from that. Thank you very much. Yeah. 
So have you, have you heard anything more on your, your place on the list? You getting any closer? No, I've, you know, we signed up, I haven't heard, but I've had a couple of friends over the internet have had theirs, not local, you mm -hmm. know, one's in Texas, one's in Florida, but, uh, haven't heard anything up here. I'm more than willing to give it a shot. Yeah. No pun intended. Well, I, I know that they're getting through the list. Uh, it's just that they, you know, a lot more people signed up than what they've got vaccines for. Also, the thing is uh, you don't have to worry about getting your, having the vaccine available for your second shot because they're holding it back at, uh, at the time when you get your first. So One would hope so, because once that three week period comes up, you really don't want to be left hanging. Yeah, no, well, that's what they're doing. Uh, because I was questioning why we were seeing they were releasing, you know, only half of what was being released. We were seeing reported the numbers and they were saying, oh, it's just a delay in reporting and stuff. No, it's that the, the organizations that are giving the shots don't have confidence that the second dose, uh, is going to, you know, would show up. You can't like give the, give everything you got out for first. And when the second become due, uh, but. So now I have I've not heard what is the uh, time frame that if you were to miss that dose that you had to start over or something. I've not heard any details on that. Well, they're saying, yeah, you know, because the what the original guideline and the one that they were communicating was all based on uh, the testing. But I have heard numbers up to twelve weeks from your first dose, you can get your second dose. And I think that's what the UK had talked about doing, but, uh, you know, Bering County and locally, they're just, they're, they're just going to do it. Here's your first date. And then whatever number of weeks it is, I think it's three weeks. Here's your second. Well, I know so. they've got a, a new one vaccine they're using in the UK and one dose. Yeah. I think the Moderna might be a single dose. I don't know. I shouldn't say anything because I'm, you know, I, I was, you know, once they get past the three that are approved, I haven't, you know, it's, it's starting to get too much to keep in my head. But as far as numbers, I was looking earlier today and I think, uh, Berrien County is at a over 5% vaccination rate so far for the first shot, not for the second shot. I think it's less than 1% have received their second mm -hmm. shot, but that's going to, you know, that should increase here pretty quickly. And I think just this week they gave out 10,000 doses. Wow. So. Well, I hope it makes a big difference and really cuts this number down. Yeah. From my perspective, I'm, I'm thinking the big risk is actually the, uh, it's, uh, the younger people who aren't taking any precautions. That's, where I see it. Well, I've been following Dan trying to find out if they have any really definitive issues, you know, on people who have had it, young, older, or otherwise. And it's still nebulous. It mm -hmm. it all depends upon the individual and how bad you had the case. Yeah. Yeah, the chat room is correcting us. Uh, they're saying the, both the Moderna and the Pfizer, which are the mRNA, uh, those are two dose. It's Johnson, which is the... Uh, more the traditional uh, virus approach is a single. 
what part are we being corrected on? The one dose in the UK? Yeah, the, well, the well, the one dose, the one dose is the Johnson. Uh, it's uh, the mRNA uh, vaccines. Currently, the ones that have been approved are two doses. So, any dive plans coming up? Anybody? You said you mentioned that you were going to try and get in the water Saturday if you could. Yep, Saturday or Sunday. That's one of the advantages. They don't have to worry about church now because they get it online. And you can always yeah. <laughs> you can always record it. <laughs> it's like a DVR. You just like come back and stream it uh, when you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's the time of year where if you got gear to be serviced, it's great to get that in. I'm sure, the dive shops would like to see that. Boats. If your boat needs to have anything done to it, start working on that boat. You know, we here we are, end of January. We could conceivably be diving in some bigger water in six to eight weeks. Well, I know a couple of the lakes local have got enough ice that people are ice fishing, but four inches is not enough to get a group out there. That's for sure. No, you don't want to. You don't want to have four divers with gear standing around a hole with four inches. Well, I do have a safety story for the day. Okay, let's go for it. Okay. Uh, well, the paddle is two scuba divers make all the wrong moves. Inexperience, poor judgment, and panic doom two novice divers. And today's lessons for life. Jack and Diana were going spearfishing. Diana didn't know what she was supposed to do, but Jack told her it was going to be epic. They were diving from Jack's friend boat. His friend would wait for them on the surface. Diana hadn't been diving much, so she was a little uncomfortable with what Jack had planned, but she went along anyway. She wasn't spearfishing. Jack had convinced her to be his buddy while he caught dinner for the three of them. She knew she was supposed to stay with Jack, but also to stay out of the way. The divers. Jack is a 37-year-old male, certified, but had only a few log dives under his belt and hadn't been in the water in the past year. Jack was overweight and described as reckless by divers who knew him. He was also known to use recreational drugs. Diana was 35 and in fair health. She was a certified diver but had less experience than Jack and hadn't been diving in more than a year. Jack had gear for both dives in his garage, but not been touched since the last time he'd gone diving. He did have two full tanks, though. The dive. Jack and Diana met his friend Dave in the early afternoon to go out on Dave's boat and make the dive. Jack had convinced Dave he could catch some fish for dinner and they could have a party that evening. Surface conditions were mild, but by all reports, there was a strong current in the area that day. Jack grabbed the gear and tanks, gave Diana what she needed, and they both geared up for the dive. Jack had to remind Diana how to assemble her gear. Soon as they had the gear on, both divers backrolled into the water from the small craft. Dave had thrown a weighted descent line into the water behind the boat with a marker buoy on the surface to guide the divers to the line. He stayed behind to care for the boat and keep an eye out for the divers. The accident. Moments after the two divers began their dive, Jack surfaced and waved to Dave for help. Deanna followed Jack back to the surface, but 
Dave reported that both divers appeared to struggle to stay on the surface. Neither of them was in position or in control of their actions. Not being a diver, Dave wasn't in the best position to help his friends. Both divers attempted to hang onto the buoy to keep their heads above the water while they sorted out their problems. While they fought to get control, they became entangled in the descent line. Jack struggled to catch his breath. He grabbed Deanna's air source to breathe and to breathe from it as they both descended below the surface. Another boat arrived at the scene. Rescuers attempted to pull the two divers to the surface using the ascent line. It broke, separating the marker buoy from the descent line. That was the only thing keeping the divers near the surface. The divers submerged and did not resurface. Rescue dive team was called to the scene and they recovered the bodies of both divers an hour later in 50 foot of seawater. Jack was still wearing his weights and entangled in the descent line. Deanna had dropped her weights, but she was also tangled in the descent line, just a few feet above Jack. Her mask was on her forehead, and both divers had fully, full, near full air tanks. Jack's autopsy indicated he had drowned. A toxicology report was positive for cocaine use, along with antihistamines and cold medicine. The accident analysis showed the dive gear was nearly unusable and that the BCs would not hold air. Diana's autopsy indicated she also drowned, had cocaine in her system, and her equipment was in slightly better condition than Jack's. The analysis. I was going to say both divers dove from and, do and died from gross stupidity, but... I won't. Well, <laughs> in this case, died of drowning due to entanglement while scuba diving. It's not uncommon in panic situations for divers to spit out the regulators, but they both drowned with air in their tanks. The real causes of the accident, though, were lack of preparation, poor planning, lack of recent experience, and piss poorly maintained equipment. We don't know why they each used cocaine, whether it was the day of the accident or the day before, but that wasn't a good indication. Ultimately, both divers entered the water with barely functioning dive equipment. When it didn't work at depth, they began to panic. Since Jack surfaced first and then attempted to use Diana's alternate air source on or near the surface, we can assume Jack or Jack's gear was not delivering air. His BC wouldn't hold air and he couldn't stay on the surface to get himself under control. Panic is the root cause of many, many dive accidents. Even when the situation is set up by failed equipment, it's the diver's reaction that causes the accident. Even in this situation, if Jack had really realized his regulator wasn't delivering enough air and simply swam to the surface, both divers could have survived. If he couldn't swim upwards because he was overweighted and his BC would not hold air, what he should have done is drop the weights and make the swim. He did not respond that way and panicked or cold. Tension your weights in an emergency is a basic skill. The only way to avoid panic is by practicing emergency skills to the point they become automatic. You can make the guess that the dive accident happened because the two unprepared divers got in the water without adequate gear, and you'd be right. But it's still, we can still learn something from the accident. It goes back to the basics. 
She wasn't comfortable with the dive. Deanna wasn't comfortable, but she went along anyway. She didn't have recent experience in the water, so she should have taken a refresher dive to practice her skills and familiarity with her equipment, especially in a controlled environment. Jack hadn't dove in more than a year either. His gear hadn't been serviced or even touched since his last dive. Before the dive, both divers should have performed a quick buddy check to make sure the gear was working. If they had, Jack likely would have realized his regulator wasn't working and his BC would not hold air. These basics are taught and tested in open water classes, but many divers haven't practiced their emergency skills such as mask removal and replacement, regulator recovery, or breathing from an alternate air source since the day they finished their class and earned their C card. Equipment malfunctions are rare when the equipment has been maintained properly. Too many accidents happen when divers aren't prepared for the dive and do not know how to respond when an emergency occurs. Lessons for life. Practice your emergency skills. Safety stop is a great time to run through drills. Just warn your buddies beforehand. Maintain your gear properly. Dive gear is incredibly reliable, but is your life support and should be treated as such. Don't make dives you aren't prepared to. Any diver can call at any time for any reason. That needs to be your motto. If you're on, if you're not comfortable with the situation or feel something is off, Figure out the problem, get more training before you get into the water. Do a buddy check to make sure everything works before you get in the water. Too often experienced divers skip a step or two before they get in the water. It only takes a few seconds above the water to solve a lot of problems. I, I just look at all the many times or many places that should have stopped them and it didn't. Yeah, I, I, I about spit out my drink when you said cocaine. Well, it's like, come on, people. I mean, a simple item like we always do. Is it hooked up? Did you take air? Does your BC work? Any one of those will probably have avoided any of this issue. Yeah. I mean, and it's like they said, so, so you put the regulator in, you go on the bottom, you sink to the bottom, and you breathe. And you untangle yourself from the freaking drag line. Well, I mean, there were just so many cases of where things went wrong. Uh, no. I mean, he, he made it to the surface, but then he didn't, he wasn't able to stay buoyant, but I, he still had his weight belt on. So, yeah, they're correct. He didn't properly deal uh, with the, the situation. The key item that we don't know is when did his regulator stop working? And for her, it's like, if it was working, he's on the surface struggling. That doesn't mean he, that means he doesn't have her regulator. She should have survived. Yeah. I mean, put the regulator in, go in the bottom, let him struggle. Help him up, drag the body up from the bottom, I suppose. That just irritates me reading that one. Yeah. So. Let's learn from their example and not do that. Uh, yeah. So if, if your dive charter advertises cocaine chaser before you go diving, then uh, probably probably not a good charter operation, I'm guessing. 
Well, this sort of goes in a little bit with last week's discussion where we talked about that one article, should divers be recertified no less than every three years? So if you don't well, use I mean, your gear sure, for a year and then you go diving, did you forget everything in that one year? Like these well, people? Well, it, I think it also depends on, like you or me, honestly, I mean, even though we we do a tune-up dive, but we could probably go two years as long as our gear is working, get back in and do pretty reasonable because we've got quite a bit of experience to draw on. But if you've only done a handful of dives and then you haven't dove in a while, you really almost need to relearn it because you never truly built up that muscle memory and that that knowledge to, to be a proficient diver in the first place. Right. And for both of them to be in the same boat, I, I at least I'm confident that when we are diving as a club and have club members out, we are conscious of those who don't have the same experience. And we usually tag with somebody if they're oh, yeah. a novice. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not saying that we are, we're certainly not a training organization, but we watch out for our other divers and, the, the amount of tension you get is directly proportional to your experience. Or, or I should say lack of experience. So, right. And, and I think that's with any diving, you know, if you, if you're going to dive in conditions that are a little different than what you're used to, then you, you kind of need to do that learning step again. You know, up here it's low visibility and cold in many cases. Yeah. I think one of the biggest items for comfort level for a diver, though, is does your BC work? And can I stay on the surface if I'm out of air, My if I'm tired? If you if you got a BC on and it's working, you drop your weights, you're not going to drown. Yeah. And once you understand that, I, I think it makes a big difference in how you react. Yeah. Well, and also your gear fitting. You know, if you got a BC that you you can't, you don't have cinched up quite right, and You've got your tank latched in, but it's it's hanging down by your ankles. I mean, I've, we've seen that before, and uh, that doesn't always turn out too well. I think we're a little fortunate here, though. We do different type of diving. One, we're not going hours out generally on a boat to go diving. We're generally in shallower water, not that far offshore. I don't know of anybody who goes out in rough seas. And Lake Michigan, uh, you know, we start getting rollers. You don't go out because it turns so quickly. In the in the in the big lake, or the I should say the ocean, I think the conditions there can change so quick. It would be quite interesting for us to go out there and how how would we react? Yeah, a lot of our stuff is shore diving too. Yeah. Meaning we're in shallower water as we go out. So if we had an issue, you're going to find it soon to put your head under in six feet of water. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the challenge of the river is that you, you have to have some knowledge because of the current. So there's certain spots where it's pretty safe and you can ease into the current, ease out of it. But there's also spots where it's, it's moving a little bit. And there are days where you know, even the experienced divers, we don't go in because it's just moving too quick. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dave in the chat room is saying that, uh, most divers are buoyant without weights, even with no air in the BC. And I know I certainly am. Uh, 
So yeah, the, I mean that's that's you know that seems to be a repeating theme is uh, how many divers do we find that don't make it and they still have their weight belt on? Like I said, they never find them on the bottom with no weight belts. I shouldn't say never, but almost never. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for that one. Hopefully, everybody can take that to heart and not become an example. I'm just looking forward to see if we get any comments from last week's when we discussed what do the divers think about recertification every three years? Yeah. Or is keeping a logbook good enough? And again, what is what do you consider being current? Yeah, I'm real curious about that one. Yeah, well. Before before we can get our answers back, I gotta get that episode <laughs> out there. Well, we got a couple of people in the audience out here who just listened yeah. to us. Yes, on it. I'm curious of their feedback. Well, let's see. Do we have anything else we need to talk about? I don't. I don't have anything coming up. Um, I'm I'm working on the 2021 episodes. We've got all 2020 finally out and published. Uh. The 2021 ones are going, I'm, I'm putting in new music. So, uh, it'll, there'll be a little bit of a format change, which by the time you hear this one, you've already heard it, but, uh, nobody on the show has, has actually heard it yet. Cause uh, probably tomorrow when I edit the first January episode, that will, yeah. will be out there. Uh, and then I'm also going to start putting them up on YouTube. So, uh, by the time you hear this, if you can take a look at our YouTube channel, which somewhere I'll put links somewhere so you can follow it, but that will help us uh, slowly start going to get into some video. Uh, and the first thing is just getting the, the, the channel moving. So uh, it'll, it'll be a little bit different than uh, what we've been accustomed to in the past, but mm -hmm. hopefully well, I reckon this is one of those rare occasions that we're sitting down and we're ready for your jokes early. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Chat room has a good discussion going on. I'm kind of taking a peek and reading on it. So here we go for the joke. And uh, I was laughing before the episode, but I think it was either laugh or cry. So here we go. A magician is traveling through Europe performing his flashy new fountain pen act. He sells out the shows in Paris and London and Berlin and Prague and Amsterdam. People call him the Big Jesus. Everywhere he went, crowds would gather to see him before his Mont Blanc mastery. Men wanted to be him. Women wanted to be with him. This all changed one fateful spring day. The magician arrived in Barcelona, performed the last show of his season's tour, only to find out he hadn't sold a single ticket yet. Devastated, he took to the streets to perform and hopefully drum up some interest in his show. Everywhere it went, people would hardly look at him. No one would shake his hand, watch his performance, or even acknowledge his increased, increasingly desperate carnival bark-esque calls for attention. No one gave any attention to his tricks, not the moving mark, the blinking blot, the blue-to-black bamboozle. The magician gave up late afternoon when he got hungry and found an old man in a food cart. Frustration was visible on the magician's face, so the old man asked, What's got you down? The magician responds, I've been selling out shows throughout Europe, but here people won't even take 30 seconds to watch my stupefying signature trick. 
No one will shake my hand or even look at me. If I had known, I would have never have come here. The old man smiled kindly and told him, Don't be hard on yourself. There's no way you could have known, my friend. Why do you say that? inquired the magician. Because no one expects the Spanish ink wizardship. I, I, I guess not. <laughs> You're right. Sometimes the chat room I just got into it is interesting. I miss some of that. <laughs> yeah, chat room's got some good conversations. Karen's talking. Dave's talking. Derek's talking. Er Eric's got an upside smiley. <laughs> Karen's got a hatchet now. So do, do we need another one? I mean, is it appropriate to maybe have a backup? I always got a backup. Yeah, please do it. Okay. So here there are four henchmen, wizard, summer, spring, and autumn. The boss stood before them. Winter, he began. You need to stay cool in the face of pressure. Ice in your veins, he said, patting his shoulder. And then there's you, summer, he continued. If the heat becomes too hot for winter... Use that hot temper of yours and make sure the cops remember who they're working for. As for you, Springy chuckled, this operation is going to bring a whole lot of green. Make sure you keep it growing. As he turned the, for the door, Autumn stood up. Boss, he, he sputtered. What about me? The boss turned back, shaking his head. Sorry, son. You're just the fall guy. You had to look a long way for that one, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah. Is there a third? Oh my gosh. Let me see. Uh, Is he a glutton or what? Yeah, I don't know. Give like, me uh, with the sticks or be me again. I mean, I mean, even the vaccine's only two shots. Uh, oh, he said he's giving you a third strike. <laughs> the third strike. Okay, so here we go. An old man's on his deathbed. His wife is in there with him. He gently grabs her hand and begins, my sweet wife, do you remember the time in the first spring in our new house? I was pruning that old tree and the branch hit me in the head, getting me ten, 10 stitches. Well, yes, my love, I remember. Well, you were there by my side, my dear wife. And do you remember the, when you suggested we should start raising sheep and a very angry ram headbutted me right in the crotch, make me pass out from the pain? <laughs> well, yes, my sweet husband, I remember. And uh, yes, you were there by my side, my love, but do you remember the time I got hit by a car and broke my two legs, one arm, being left unable to work for many, many months? Yes, my reason to exist, I remember. Well, once again, you were there by my side, so my precious companion, in all the worst moments of my life, I had you with me. And now, 60 years into our union on my deathbed, here you are once again. Do you know what that, I think that all means, my beautiful angel? Wife already bawling her eyes out. No, my whole world. What does it mean? He says, I think it means your bad luck. <laughs> Words of comfort to the widow. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it might not be so good for him because that might have been, you know, a couple seconds later when he expired. Well, he wouldn't unknown. have to worry about it after that. Yeah, well, uh, for unknown reasons. <laughs> Bad. 
So I don't think we can, like you said, three strikes and we're out. So uh, on that note, go out there and get wet. Stay safe. And Craig didn't even jump on that one. I expected he would have just canceled himself.